You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to do uh, a few different stories and encounter stories, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. So, here we go. Let's get it underway. Um, so, the first one is coming out of North Carolina. I've been going to the to Pactolis my entire life outside of Greenville, North Car- North Carolina. I recently caught what I believe to be a ghost light or an orb on video f- for thirty seconds at around hundred yards away. Catching this ghost light on video has changed my life. It makes me want to research every ghost light I've ever heard of. The story of the light goes like this. The the story begins sometime in the early 1900s. A young man rode his horse from Greenville to Pactolis. Pactolis is a small community east of Greenville. And at this time, there was a train station in existence in the Pactolis community. The purpose of this trip was to surprise the young man's fiancée, by meeting her train. Unfortunately, the train was extremely late this particular evening, and the young man was soon alone in the dark. Of course, he really was not alone. His horse was very impressive and caught the attention of three men who were walking along the train tracks, and they decided this was the perfect opportunity to catch a ride rather than walk to their destination. 
The three men hid in the brush surrounding the train station, and as the young man rode by, he was ambushed and killed. The three men hid his body in the thickness of the woods. However, the horse was frightened away and returned to Greenville two days later. The family feared the worse after the horse returned without its rider, and they searched the train station and the surrounding area only to find absolutely nothing. The young man's ghost is seen walking beside the train tracks. The form he takes is a single light floating beside the tracks. Sometimes the light floats at waist level, as if he's walking beside his horse, and other times the light floats above the head, as if he's riding the horse. The young man uses the light to let his fiancée know that he was there to meet her. The tracks have long been removed, and what remains now is just a path, and the land is privately owned, and those who go to the area are promptly chased away. This proves the point to always get permission first and limit your party time to private places. If you think you have seen it all, think again. We're not alone in the Tar Heel State. I caught this ghost light on film over 15. It says over 15. I don't know uh, what that means. Maybe seconds. I don't know. But it doesn't say. With a Sony DVX 2100 mini DV recorder, high quality footage. Well, that's cool. And and, and those those orbs are are not uncommon. Um they they are widely reported in wooded areas, mountainous areas and stuff. And there's orb, there's there's so many locations that have these, you know, people call them ghost lights, orbs. Um, there's stories of uh, old conductors walking along the tracks of their um, extinct railroad stations and stuff. And, you know, and there's ghost trains. Um, there's something to do with railroad tracks. And I don't know if there was any, any, uh, real thought put into them, like as far as following ley lines or anything like that, when they were installed, I think it was just a matter of laying track to close distances between two places. Um, but the, of course, being as they, they, well, the tracks in this case were gone, but you know, energy and metal, it's just an, an obvious conduit or conductor, but it doesn't answer the question in this one that there was no longer any tracks. So the orb seems to be, uh, according to what the man is reporting, seems to be still there. What a what a terrible story, you know. And and uh, unfortunately, there's plenty of those kind of people. A a pretty dark uh, lead in it has to do with a demon. So um, this comes out of Texas, the great state of Texas. Every day I woke up late at night, around three in the morning. I was always tired. I really got no sleep at all, and I was never hungry. My mom, Linda, was always worried because I was always in my room and always listening to music that I would never normally listen to, which was hard, hard rock music. I had no idea what I was, why I was turning mean and angry. And when my mom wasn't around, I would drink and cut myself, and I was so angry. I would walk around with this evil expression, and I wouldn't even look at anybody. Finally, my mom took me to the hospital and asked if there was something wrong with me. They told her that everything was normal and nothing seemed to be wrong with me at all until they found that I was cutting myself. They asked me if I'd been feeling okay and I just stared at them with hate, evil, and hurt. And they all just waited and I finally said, What does my life mean to you? You never saved a life. And even if you did, you won't save me.
you bastards never made my life happier. So what makes you think you're going to make me happy now? I had no idea what I was saying. I was out of it. I had no clue why. I cussed at the doctor, not really meaning it. That night I was absolutely out of it. I couldn't sleep, and I felt like something was watching me. I went crazy. I went so crazy I started talking to nothing. What do you want with me? I never wanted this. Let go. I talked and talked with no responses. My mother heard me talking one night and thought I was on the phone with somebody. She walked in my room and said she saw a demonic presence sitting next to me. I thought she was just talking trash to try to scare me. Then all of a sudden, I started yelling across the room. I was yelling Latin and backwards English, and I had no clue what I was saying. I never thought I'd become possessed. What Was it what he wanted, my good soul? I don't really know, but the demon possessing me was making my family depressed and sad, and it got so bad that I pushed myself away from my family. To tell you the truth, I had plenty of experiences. With the grandpa and his ghostly friend holding me back on the bed, and the other things that I might tell you in my other stories, but a month later, three priests came to bless my house. It was that bad. When they blessed the house, the demon came out of me and stayed out for two months. Then it became a big problem. It came back. What are we going to do with her? Why don't they have why don't why do they have to pick her instead of me? I don't want my daughter having this happen to her. It's not what I wanted for her in life, my mother would say to my father. Then two weeks later, we had an exorcism to help get rid of the possession. After the exorcism, I was wiped out. I was so tired and more hungry than I've ever been. It made me so drained, and to know how much it hurt my family made me so angry. Now this is out of me now, and I'm writing this to the people who had rough times and things they could never imagine to happen. Look, I'm a real experiencer. And they spaced it out. If you never had these types of things, if you've, it says if you never had these types of things happen, let me know. But I think she means if you ever. But because these things can happen, and when you least expect it. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, that's a pretty stereotypical demonic encounter. Um, it's the, it's the darkness. It's the the cloud, the negativity, and and the constant barrage. And and of course, sleeping is is how we recharge. It's how we re, we, it's how we I don't know remain sane. Maybe I don't know, but it's important. We need our sleep, and so. These things, these dark, dark things, have nothing but time. They don't have anything better to do. You're it. And not you guys. I hope none of you are ever, but you know what I'm saying. It's like they they don't care. They don't they don't reason. They don't have pity or sympathy. They just they just want to corrupt. They just want darkness and they just want to undo anything good and and why I don't know. I don't know what these things are. I know the legends. I know the stories. I know hundreds of different stories about what these things are, but what are they really? I don't know. But th they are just the antithesis of anything good. And uh um 
uh, many of you out there may know what I'm talking about. I know some of you have because I've had conversations with you about these things. I've had a, an experience that was really dark. It was really horrible. Um, when it when it's when it's done, it's never quite done because you always feel like you have a scar. You know, you have a scar, um, but these kind of things are, 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 are so horrible. And, and what this person is explaining, and I can't say if it's true or not. I don't know. Again, I can't ever vouch for the, the validity of any of these things I read to you guys. But what is being claimed in this story is pretty much, as I said, it's just the blueprint of how it happens. And it's a, and it's a war of attrition. When something dark wants you, they, they, will, they will spend years trying to get you. And so cleansing, keep, you know, keep cleansing your space. If you notice dark moods, you know, do what you can to change it, to break that, break that energy pattern, to cleanse, to push away darkness, find something beautiful and, and that makes you happy and, and, and hold on to it, surround yourself with people. The other thing that's real common in these situations is, is isolation. And it's a typical abuse abuse kind of, of, uh, of strategy, you know, any kind of abuser that's trying to break a person will isolate them from everything that may give them strength. And so that's what happens in these situations. And it's no difference from physical abuse, emotional abuse, or spiritual abuse, as in cases like this, the patterns are all the same. And so, you know, you've just gotta, if you can't do it yourself, find someone to help you and find groups to help you find reach out to churches, to whatever, whatever is, is beautiful in your soul and uh, make sure to take care of it because, man, that's a horrible, horrible thing. So I, I guess it wasn't, you know, I mean, it's, it's a dark story. Um, the, the, I guess the thing is, is that I can just feel that, you know, it's just, ugh, feel like you have oil on your soul. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey, guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in all right so continuing on let's get to the next one 
This one comes out of Texas again. Texas is a popular state tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good night in Texas. This is not too, too long. So in 2001, I lived in Arizona. <laughs> okay. Well, so much for Texas. <laughs> With my mother and sister at my grandmother's house, and we were such a happy family until something bad happened. My mom's friend's grandpa died on May 12th in 2001. And we all went to his funeral and prayed for him to make a better life in heaven. And two weeks later, I was sleeping, and I heard my door open. And I looked, and nothing was there. First, I thought it was my, my sister, who's older than me, just giving me a hard time, trying to frighten me. But I got up, and I went to her room, and I found her sleeping. And I didn't think it was my mom's friend's grandpa, even though me and him were best buddies. He would always buy me ice cream and walk with me in the park. And, but I woke up, I woke her up and I told her to stop trying to scare me. And she told me that I was probably dreaming or heard a mouse in the walls or something. And I told her that my door opened all by itself. The next day I was home alone. And I was just watching television and I heard some man's voice in my ear calling my name. I shouted out, who is it? Stop playing around. I don't want to be scared anymore and just go away. It never left me alone. At nighttime, it came out of my room and sat next to me on my bed while I was sleeping. And I woke up and saw my mom's friend's grandpa sitting next to me. That's so long. My mom's friend's grandpa. <laughs> he stared at me with his deep blue eyes. Or his deep eyes. It doesn't say blue. I just threw that in there, I guess. I screamed and I wanted to run out of my room, but something was holding me back. It wasn't him who was holding me back. It was something more powerful, something that could hurt me if it wanted to. I was never scared in my, this scared in my entire life. When my mom came running to my room, everything paranormal that was in my room just went away, like it was scared of her. And the next day I asked my mom to have our church bless the house so nothing would harm the family, but as usual, the blessing didn't work. It didn't change anything. Then at night again, he came in my room, and this time he didn't sit on my bed. He just stood there, staring at me. And the thing that was holding me back was there too, but this time I could see it, and it looked like a younger man. He wore army pants and a shirt, and he looked really mad. Why do they want me? I kept asking myself. But they just stood there with anger and terror in their faces. Why would they want me anyhow? I never did anything wrong to them. I was only eight or nine years old when this happened, and what would an eight or nine-year-old do to make these things come into the house? A few weeks later, we had an exorcism, which was okay, I guess. These things that were here using my mom's friend's grandpa's spirit as a gateway to the house, that's what the psychic said, that came to my house with the priest that was going to do the exorcism. And that was the most frightening thing in my life. But now I'm 14, living a really good life in Texas, and I'm glad the paranormal is out and gone. I've heard, I've heard of that, and, and again, <laughs> I oftentimes reference the dead files, but i got to admit, I've never seen a show that has such different information and different uh, approaches to all of this than the standard uh, uh, spirit that's not resting thing. I mean, Amy Allen really does get these different vibes or has a different approach to it, and 
she talks about these, there's sometimes dark things that will tag people, you know, and somehow put a marker or a, or a, or something on their soul on an energy level so that they can claim them after they die. And I wonder if that's what happened to the grandfather, um, that he somehow got tagged and therefore it's, it's, you know, a tough deal. Uh, but anyway, apparently these things can tag, uh, spirits and, and go after them or, you know, it's like a, it's like a label, like you're mine. And I don't understand that much, but I imagine like anything else, if you don't know it's there, then maybe it's a problem when you pass. But if you do know it's there, you can probably get it removed through some sort of form of cleansing or, or, you know, ritual of some kind. But yeah, that's creepy. That's really creepy. And I feel bad for the old man, the, the the grandfather spirit that, you know, if it was indeed kind of trapped in that state with those those dark things, then that's not good. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean demonic. Uh, um, that term gets overused a hell of a lot in the paranormal, but there are other dark things that aren't demonic, including human spirits that are just very dark and twisted. Um, if they're dark and twisted in life, they're probably going to be dark and twisted after life too, so... Um, as Jeffrey Seelman says, nothing changes. You're just the same person. It's kind of, it's kind of like that thing. Everybody knows some of these people, right? They, they have this, this idea. It's like, yeah, we got a really crappy relationship, but after we get married, it'll get better. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. A, a band of, of gold and good intentions doesn't change. That doesn't change anything. If it's broken, it's going to stay broken and say the same thing as in, you know, from life to death. Like, yeah, I'm a bastard now, but when I die, I'm going to be good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just <laughs> you get all my musings here on the portal, ladies and gentlemen, I got a microphone and I'm filling it with all the noise I know how. So continuing on, the next one comes out of Maryland. This one's a little longer, but I hope it's a goodie. Okay. All right, we don't get many out of Maryland. That's kind of cool. All right, let's see what's going on in Maryland, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was really young when my father and I watched The Chandelier, probably eight or nine, and I was living in a house that had been construction had been constructed not but ten years ago. Wow, that's pretty proper English. It was my father's house, and as my parents were divorced, and it was really very large, and it had a single sort of winding staircase to an overhang above the foyer that was ra railed was a railed hallway to the other rooms and to be frank I was absolutely fascinated by ghosts but hated large houses unexplainable things were both enthralling and horrible to me generally if I wasn't by myself I'd drag anybody I could along to go ghost hunting and I was convinced my father's house was haunted even though I was so it was I think was, I was so young. Though the original owner of the house had died while still owning it, he was not inside the house, and therefore my, my father would try to convince me nothing was wrong. But he couldn't explain the odd things that constantly happened in bad fortune, the pipes breaking suddenly, our porch falling on itself. Possibly the most frightening thing was two days after the new family who had bought our house moved in, it was struck by lightning and the entire roof caught fire. My pregnant stepmom was upstairs asleep and it must have been about 10.30 at night and I can't distinctly remember what season it was, but 
I believe it was pretty warm outside, and my father and I had been watching a late-night television show, and we were on our way to bed, and as we climbed the stairs, I was telling him about a phenomenal dream I had where I was riding in a buggy, and a boy pressed his face to the window. It wasn't a frightening face. On the contrary, it was really quite attractive. Um, yet I knew somehow distinctly that I knew him. I couldn't place how. Exactly as I was telling him about the boy, I looked in the mirror and saw the electric chandelier in our dining room go on, despite the fact that my father had distinctly turned it off. Now, before I continue, I must explain that I hate mirrors. Every dream I've ever had with a mirror involves something frightening. By staring at my reflection and seeing someone else looking back at me, I really avoid mirrors as much as I can, but it was really strange because I had no desire to look in the mirror when I was telling the story, but I did. I soon pointed the chandelier out to my father, who mused for a bit and said he must have forgotten to turn it off. My father does not believe in ghosts, <laughs> clearly. I, I didn't want to budge from where I was, so I asked my father to turn it off, and he obliged. And the second he took a step, the light went off. Then it went on, and then it went off, very slowly. Mind you, we could practically hear my stepmother snoring in the other room, and the three of us were the only ones in the house. My father was a little, little alarmed and took another step, and on cue, the lights began to flash brighter and more frequently, and now I was on the verge of screaming, so I urged him to stop this stupid magic trick. And he assured me this was not his doing, and began to race down the stairs. The lights began to flicker incredibly fast, and each hurdle, each hurdle he took, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. I was crying, and my father dashed across the foyer into the living room, but he never quite made the light switch. It flashed on, and unfathomably bright, more so than a, a setter could, e could ever follow. What the hell does that mean? More so than the, than the setter could ever follow, could ever allow. Oh, I guess it's more brightly than the, than the light should shine. And, and went out. My father, left in the dark, testily walked over to the light switch, which was still remaining in off position. He flicked it on, and it worked like a charm. We both went to bed and said nothing about it until the next morning. My father told me a white lie, saying that the switch had been stuck in the middle, which caused it to flicker. Only later did he tell me that that wasn't true at all, and that he only told me that so I didn't have any more concern. What alarms me is that the house was built over an ancient railroad track, which had been disabled probably seven decades ago, and it might have been partly because of my active imagination, because I was convinced I was convinced a little girl lived in our house, and of course, my grandmother fueled my beliefs by saying she saw the same thing. Was it the little girl, or was it just me? While my father doesn't believe in ghosts and assures me that he never will believe in ghosts, this is one event he can never come to explain, and leaves it at that, and my stepmother still yells about not being awake to see it, as she too loves ghost encounters. <laughs> Any ideas what could have caused this? Um, yeah, ghost, I'm going to say. There is, I mean, with things like that, ladies and gentlemen, you got to consider electrical issues or whatever, but 
you know, the point is, is that, you know, if, <laughs> if it's that, if it's that bizarre and it shines so much brightly than the light is supposed to, and, and it's on and off and it's keeping time with your steps down the, down the stairway, then yeah, I'm thinking probably ghost. I don't know. Just me. But I think so. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. All right, everybody, and we're back and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal podcast. Buckle up. We're going in. <laughs> All right. This happened last night, and it scares me to death. This is coming out of California, ladies and gentlemen. I'm 17 and live in California, and I was on my computer being the average teenager and talking with friends. It is was obviously dark outside, but really quite warm in the house, and I was bored of listening to nothing but the sounds of the whining computer and, and turning fans. So I got up and turned my fan and lights off and got my iPod to listen to it. And this story comes out of 2007, so iPods were still the, the thing. Um, I'd gone through uh, about an hour's worth of songs, and I was hearing my favorite part when my iPod decides to skip like a CD player would. When it skipped, I distinctly heard a child cough and then chuckle. This really scared me a little, and then I decided it's nothing and put my music away. Telling my friends what happened, they say it's probably nothing and that there was just a flaw in my music, so I go back to normal talking. Three minutes later, my mom gets icy cold, and I swear if the lights were on, I could see my breath. I said, how did I get mom out of that? It says three minutes later, my room gets icy cold, and I swear... Uh, if the lights were on, I could have seen my breath coming out. So I tell my friend what happens and they say, Sam, that's not good. You should turn on the lights or something so that it doesn't come after you or anything. <clears throat> oh yeah. They can't touch you in the light. That's the advice he got. Wow. I thought about this for a second or two, deciding if it was true or not, but I thought it wouldn't hurt to turn the lights off or turn the lights on rather. And as soon as I stood up, I heard some footsteps on the floor and shuffling noises against the wall right next to the light switch. Sitting down, I thought to myself, that plan's out of the park. <laughs> Starting to get a little more creeped out, I, I sit down and watch my room intently, listening for anything and watching carefully to see if there's any movement. And I'm like a four-year-old when it comes to ghosts, so... I'm surprised I didn't scream and run to my older sister. I went on with life, talking to people and stuff, not caring what happens from then on, but I heard the footsteps again, and they're getting closer to me. My neighborhood is connected on the electricity grid, so my power go if my power goes out, I look outside to see if my neighbor's lights are all on. So I get a little more scared, and then the shuffling noise comes on, comes from my chair, and I freeze. A small hand falls on my shoulder, and I can't breathe for like a minute. Then my room suddenly gets warm again, and I choke down a breath of air. The lights come back on, and I hear footsteps walking down the stairs that lead to my room. 
I can't sleep at all last night, and about 30 minutes after all this happened, my sister screams because she had a nightmare. I officially am afraid of my house. <laughs> uh, I think so. All right, here's the next one. And this one comes out of Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. Ohio. Uh, Ohio is just a busy paranormal state. All right, so this story uh, took place in April of 2005, and my friend Lisa and I were going over to her house to take her home, and she was telling me about the legend of, of the woman on the slopes. The legend is that if you drive on the bottom of the slopes at night, you'll see a woman in all white walking in the field. And if you have a ring on, you'll feel a tug on it. The story is that this woman was proposed to at this spot, and it was the lover's meeting place, and shortly after the engagement, her fiancé was killed. The woman is still waiting for him to return. So we get the gumption to go down there and see if it's true. We cruise down there in my little S10 at around 8 p.m., and we get to the entrance of the slopes, and I park there, and I shut off my headlights, but I keep the engine running. I wanted to shut the engine off, and Lisa said, no, just in case she came out, we can take off. So we're sitting down there for about five minutes laughing and jamming to my mix CD, and it was playing Last Dance with Mary Jane. Good song, by the way. Tom Petty. It seemed like as soon as that song came on, we saw something white in the distance, but wasn't sure what it was, and it seemed to be moving closer at a really rapid pace. As it got closer, it seemed to be a woman, and she was about 10 feet from us when we saw that angry look on her face. So Lisa and I were not planning to stick around to see why she was mad. I put the truck in reverse and started backing up, and she was chasing us. I was going about 10 miles per hour backwards, and she was keeping up. And I decided not to turn around because since she was on our tail, I ended up backing halfway up the road which had some really nasty bends on it, and we got the truck turned around and headed to Lisa's house. We could still see her in the mirror until we got to the main street in Smithfield. I got Lisa home, and nothing else happens that night, but I feel bad we didn't find out what she wanted, but one day I hope to. Yeah, those are the tough ones. I mean, when when there's a distraught spirit or some spirit that's in the in such a limbo... Uh, who wants to leave someone suffer like that? I would go over there with Deb and Dee and Sean, and we'd get that thing, <laughs> get that lady transitioned. That's what I'd do. I don't know. I'm, I'm My hats are off. My hat's really off to any um, psychics who go around and help, help spirits that could be in those states, though. That is, it's really sad to think that somebody could be living in that kind of anguish um, I don't know. I mean, those are, those are kind of legendary stories. And, and here's the thing. If we really are creator beings, and I believe we are, are, did these two with their expectation create that experience? Did they create the apparition or it does it exist on its own? So there's a momentum in these kind of things that with these legends and the momentum is the more people bring their energy to the experience, the more real the experience can become. Um, and it may never have been, uh, actually a person that experienced, uh, you know, their fiance dying. It's just those common tales, but they do seem to come true sometimes. 
And I think that that happens because people are investing their energy into it. They're investing their, their fear and their trepidation and their anxiety and they're pushing it towards this phenomena. And when the phenomena manifests, it's very powerful, but people don't realize they're doing it. So I would, I would almost wager that a lot of cases like this are manifest by the observers just because it's a thrill ride, right? It's an amusement park kind of thing. You're going to see a ghost. Cool. And then you get there and you're like, what if I really see a ghost? Oh no. You know, now I'm freaking out. And every shadow becomes an apparition. And then finally it really does because you've invested enough energy and sent enough fear uh, towards it that it can manifest. And, and what could we do? It's it's actually, if that is the case, that's a really amazing example of us being able to manifest reality. And I think that that's very powerful. But people in these positions think there's really a ghost. And so the legend continues and it gains more momentum. So just some thoughts on that. But I think there's a lot to that. I think that most of the time, in many of those cases, they are manifest by the observers. Just my opinion, my two cents. But I think there's... There's, there's truth to that. The last one I'm going to read you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God, it's so, it's a long one. Not too long though. I think it'll be okay. This is coming from Oklahoma. All right, so this one says, I'm 11 years old and I believe that we have a ghost in our kitchen. And I have some stories and my sister told me one. And also I think there's a ghost in my room or the ghost can travel to my room. Probably. I don't think they're trapped in kitchens normally. Ghost in the kitchen number one. I was laying on the living room floor watching television when all of a sudden I heard a cabinet close and the vitamin shuffle. And I sat in the recliner and looked where my mom was sitting. And she was still there. And I sat there frozen, wondering who or what did it what that what it was and it was around 11 or 12 at night and I thought it could have been my dad or my sister and I was sitting there for like 20 minutes and nobody walked by my kitchen and living room are connected so so is my hallway so I finally I got up the nerve to run into my sister's room and when I got there I saw her sitting at her computer I looked out the door and found my dad fast asleep and I had a dog and hamster at the time but the hamster was in my room and my dog was laying in the recliner with me, and I asked my sister if she went in the kitchen, and she said no. Ghost in the kitchen number two. I was going in the kitchen, and I opened the fridge door, and I had a sense that there was somebody standing there watching me, and I got cold at that same time. I quickly looked uh, to see if anyone was there, and I didn't see anybody, so I grabbed what I needed and ran into my parents' room, and told them what happened, and they said that nothing happened in our house yet again, and then I just went to my room and got on my computer. Ghost in the kitchen number three. I was sitting in the kitchen on the computer and was looking at comics. My grandma that lived in a different part of Oklahoma was sitting in the living room with my mom. My sister was at a friend's house, and my grandpa and dad were out shopping at Best Buy, and my grandfather's waiting for a liver transplant, and all of a sudden, I hear a beep noise and the sound of a microwave. And I look behind me, and the microwave is on. I have to remind you that the only other living things in the house are all in the living room and my parents' room. 
My hamster had to move out. <laughs> I ran in the living room, shaking all over, and I sat there for a minute and finally got the nerves to go turn it off. And when I walked in there, and when I was next to the microwave, I felt a freeze. I clicked the off button and ran back into the living room, and I told my grandma and mom what happened, and they told me again that there was no ghost in our house. I just sat there and watched TV with them the rest of that night. Ghost in the Kitchen number four. This story is what my sister and cousins told me, and my grandparents are still waiting for my grandfather's liver, but they moved into some temporary apartments, and they were watching a movie, and all of a sudden they hear some sort of a tap on the window in my kitchen. They grabbed my dog and ran outside and, and, in, and into my sister's car, and they decided to leave my dog, and then they left to go to their boyfriend's house. Also, one time I was in my room, and I felt the presence of someone else in my room beside me, and I looked and saw nobody. This has happened many times before. My parents are the second people to own this home, and nobody died here, so what I'm thinking is that my house was built on Indian burial grounds. Well, thanks for reading my story. And that's possible, but, you know, it's just, again, there doesn't have to be uh, a tragedy for a home to experience uh, a spiritual presence. There doesn't. There, there may be a million ways that they came into that house or or whatever, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, since nobody died there, it has to be, you know, Indian burial grounds or Native American burial grounds. It can just be they like your house. And over a period of time, they found a way in. Um, again, they may come because you, your family reminds them of their family in life or somebody in the family reminds them of somebody that was important in their life when they were alive, or maybe they were never alive and they just like your life. I don't know. But it's it doesn't have to have the someone died in the house, therefore it's haunted. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. As well as finding us on Twitter, we're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So... Uh, stay tuned, but we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice, take care of each other, help each other out, find the magic in every day, and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.